Welcome to Talking Dynasty with Garrett Price and Jared Wackerly with DynastyNerds.com, where we discuss game theory, dynasty fantasy football strategy, and interview different analysts from around the dynasty fantasy football space. We appreciate you tuning in. Now let's get to work. Welcome back into Talking Dynasty. Yes, this is the offshoot show that is now on the same feed as Dynasty Nerds. And uh, there's uh, there's two pretty good looking guys on the show. One, of course, myself, Garrett Price, but the king of all, Jared Wackerly. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. How about you? Glad we got the, good, the mic man. situation figured out over here. We had technical difficulties on my end, and not usually the one that has the technical difficulties. That's true. You're usually the one we're calling when there are technical difficulties. <laughs> and it's it was as simple your- as the mic <laughs> on my computer was just muted. I'm sitting here unplugging the roadcaster, plugging it back in, restarting my computer, updating the firmware, and my mic on my stream deck was just the mute button was pushed. <laughs> so stupid. Look, that, that happens, you know? And the funny thing is, I was going to be like, hey, you're not just like something silly like muted. But I was like, no, Jared's the, the most tech savvy <laughs> out of all the nerds. Like, uh, he, he would know to check something silly like that. So I'm not even going to waste his time with it. Should have. So dumb. Th- that's on me. Should have. Bad friend. Yeah, bad friend. The no. hell. So I take full responsibility. But today, we have a really fun show. This is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. <clears throat> and there's a lot of nuance to this. There's a lot of different ways to go about this, but we're going to be talking about the art of trading today. Now, once again, if you're not familiar and talking dynasty, it's less player centric, more concept centric. Uh, so we're going to be talking more about concepts around what we do, how we do it, why we do it, things like that, more so than, hey, I really like this guy. I don't want to trade for that guy. Inevitably, we'll bring up some names here and there as examples and things like that. But it's more to teach us how to think more than telling you what to think. Right, Jared? Yeah, exactly. And we'll uh, we'll be bringing on guests that are more experts in certain areas or mm-hmm. maybe there's somebody to put out some different way of thinking that we want to bring on to explore that idea uh, so we got guests coming in, coming in, yeah. uh, soon. Hey, dynasty nerds. It's time to take your dynasty game to the next level with FFPC's dynasty startup leagues. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, FFPC has a league for you with entry fees ranging from hundred dollars up to $5,000. Choose from a variety of formats, including Superflex. Best Ball Superflex, Triflex, 1QB, and Standard. With weekly lineups, waivers, trades, head-to-head matchups, and playoffs, FFPC's fully managed leagues provide the ultimate dynasty experience. Most importantly, the leagues are here to stay. FFPC has never had a dynasty league fold. They manage the entire commissioner experience from buy-in management to fulfilling your orphans. FFPC is perfect place to expand your dynasty league portfolio. And here's the best part. As dynasty nerds 
Cubs listener, you can get $25 off any entry fee as a new member when you use the promo code NERDS. Head over to myffpc.com now to draft your team, manage your roster, and dominate your league with FFPC. That's myffpc.com. Promo code NERDS for $25 off any entry fee for new members. FFPC, where Dynasty Dreams become a reality. And, and, and even though, you know, this is this is our show, well, Jared and I are very transparent. And I think at Nerds overall, we're very transparent. Like, Jared and I are not experts in all things Dynasty. We're not experts in every single thing that we're going to talk about. So there are things that we're even kind of explaining to you what we're learning while we're learning it. So, yeah. you know, it, it's not always going to just be, hey, we're really smart. Listen to us. Like, no, but hey, here's some different strategies. Here's some different ideas. Here's some different techniques that we're even working through. We're learning. We're we're going with. And so I think the the biggest one that I kind of want to start off with, and I know Jared's Jared's great, and he always uh, puts together like some kind of little sheet. And I'm the guy that kind of like goes <laughs> rogue, and that's kind of my role. Uh, that's not true because you make all the show sheets for the main show. That's true. I do it for the main show. That's that's fair. The biggest thing to me, and I think it's Eric Quartz. Um, so Eric, if you're out there listening to this, I think it was you. He put together a really awesome graphic of when to trade players and when to trade draft picks and when they have the optimum value. So we're going to get our hands on that. We'll, we'll tweet that out uh, so people can see it. But that's kind of where yeah. I want to start this conversation of kind of understanding before we go to make trades, before we, we look at different tactics, before we look at all of these things. I think one of the biggest things is to understand the seasonality of draft picks, the seasonality of players, and understand when they gain and lose value based on what's going on. And some of this, for some of you guys that are seasoned players, might already be second nature. Uh, but maybe it's something that you haven't given enough thought to. Um, so, so I want to go through that. And basically the, the general concept is as we lead into the season and, and week one starts, players have a ton of value. As we get to the midpoint of the season and to your trade deadline, if you have one or to the playoffs, if you don't, players have the most value during that time period than they do any other time of the year. So when you're trying to trade for players and look, inevitably there, there will be times at trade deadlines, you're going to have to go after players, but in a perfect world, you want to capitalize on draft pick values during that time period, because that is typically the cheapest you will ever get your draft picks is in season specifically at the trade deadline. That is when first will be thrown out for super cheap just because hey, I'm going for a title. I'm going for a ship. I need to get Joe Mixon on my team. I need to get Keenan Allen on my team. Here, take take some first, take some seconds, whatever it is. That's when it's that's when players are very expensive and picks are very cheap. The second the season ends, the picks start to gain value. And they slowly gain value as you get to the Senior Bowl, a little bit more at the Combine, a ton at the NFL Draft. And then ultimately, basically, the pinnacle is typically at your rookie draft because we're prisoners of the moment. 
And we just spent all offseason looking at players, talking about players, and everyone wants the shiny new toy. And the shiny new toy is always these rookies. And so that time of year during your rookie draft is when players are the most inexpensive that they'll ever be and picks are the most expensive that you'll ever be. So in a perfect world, what you should be doing is during your rookie draft time, trading for players and during the season, trading for picks. Jared, am I oversimplifying this? Does that make sense? No, yeah, that's definitely the way. I mean, that's just a, a basic understanding and good to like outline at the start of this show where we're diving into trading strategies. And I think just understanding the natural market fluctuation of demand is super important because your league is its own economy. Values are different in each league. Each each owner values things differently. But those the, that psychology and that flow of demand definitely remains true across all leagues, at least in my experience. I do want to go back to your mention of Eric Kortz, EK Baller. Great dude. He's been at Dynasty Nerds for a really long time and helped us out in uh, many different areas. But um, a couple years ago, he put out an intro to Dynasty series, which is what Garrett was alluding to. And in volume five, he talked about uh, trading. And he did include a really nice graphic that kind of shows you like a sleeper startup board. And it basically puts picks in um, for where where you should value you know different picks so uh, we'll, we'll we'll share that article out again um, and maybe we can even get Eric to update it and put it back out again but just it, again just to back up a little bit Garrett I think we should talk about like why trading is important yeah for for me and Jared I'll let you kind of give your pitch as to well, why don't you know what? Why don't you go first? Because I have it solidified in my mind as to, but I don't want to steal your thunder. So for you, like when you're going to make trades in your leagues, what, what, why are you, why are we even making trades? Like, why are we even doing this? Well, one, it makes the league more fun. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the hardest part in redraft is trading because everyone's trying to win. And then when people are out of it, they're out of it, you know. They're not tuned in anymore. They know they know they're not going to win. But in Dynasty, even when your team's bad, there's opportunity to trade. So it's 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 why I mean it's almost why you play Dynasty, you know. But the NFL, it, I mean, the NFL landscape is always evolving. Coaches are are going to new teams. Players are going to new teams. There's new rookies coming in. Players get hurt. So there's constant value fluctuations. And in order to give yourself the best chance to win, you need to make sure you're capitalizing on trade windows, you're consuming content or the right content to give yourself a leg up as to who might be overvalued or overperforming right now or underperforming for possible buy lows. So when you're an engaged participant in your league's trade market, you're just giving yourself that much more of a leg up on your league mates and you want to remain fluid. You want to remain open uh, to, to making your team better and position yourself with draft picks down the road. Um, so it's all about asset management and understanding values uh, within your league and understanding uh, your league's economy. Yeah, absolutely. And if, 
if you're a baller, like you're the man, like you come out and you draft your dynasty team better than anybody else. Maybe you win year one. Maybe you do. But long-term, if you are not actively making moves, you're not actively making trades to rely on what you did year one to sustain you through the the entirety of your league is just very inefficient. Very, very inefficient, very illogical. Like the odds of you being able to pick the exact right players that will not only hit in year one, but also have the longevity to be able to produce for you for the next five to 10 years at an absurd 80, 90% hit rate. It's, it's just not going to happen. It's just not, we're, we're not that efficient. We, there's so many variables. There's so many things moving. There's so many things changing. And so if you're somebody that's sitting there and you're like, look, I don't like to trade. Look, we're not advocating trading just simply for trade's sake. But if you are not out there looking to, and, and we'll talk about more of the nuances and, and, and things like that of actually making trades and things like that as, as we go on. But if you're not out there utilizing different tools, utilizing scouting reports, utilizing breaking news, utilizing these different things to make moves, chances are someone else in your league is getting better and you're not. And that's yeah. that that's the that's the quickest way to get behind is is not being active in trying to improve your team. And that's I mean the whole concept of drafting for value instead of need or I mean it hinges on the fact that you're going to be an active trade participant. And, and explain and that, Jared, because we say that all the time. And sometimes I think because we are, you know, we're in the weeds, right? Mm -hmm. We say certain things, but we don't always explain what we mean by them. Like, what does it mean to draft the best player available and then trade for need? Like, you might be able to understand it based on context clues, but explain what what you mean when you do that. Let's say you're in a startup draft and you've already taken three receivers because you felt you know that that's who you should take at that moment. Mm -hmm. Well, let me back up again because <laughs> who you should take at that moment relies on your understanding of this concept. But you know, let's say you need like technically you need a running back. You don't have any running backs on your team yet and you're in your startup draft but according to dynasty nerds rankings the next running back off the board you'd like him but he's pretty far behind in terms of ranks and tiers than you know the next six or seven wide receivers or a tight end so even though you need running back don't draft them because you need him. You want to take the value that's there. Maybe there's three or four receivers there above him in terms of ranks or ADP that have the opportunity to rise in value how, depending on how they perform in this next year. Don't just draft a running back because you need a running back. You want to draft that wide receiver or quarterback or tight end or, or, or even flip the situation, you know? however it lines up in your in your draft there you want to take the value because once you do that you you're you're holding all this value and then maybe there's a team that has 
value at running back and you guys can make a deal to offset that difference that of that need that you have on your team. Does yeah. that make sense, Garrett? Makes perfect sense. So let me give a, a tangible example to this. Like you said, we're 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 in round four. We've taken, you know, three receivers so far. Or maybe we've taken a quarterback and two receivers, whatever it is. You're starting to get a little nervous because you're like, oh, I probably need a running back. But for whatever reason in this draft, running backs have gone like crazy. And the best guy on the board right now at running back is Rashad White. And you're looking there and you're like, man, I I need a running back. Maybe I should take Rashad White. But you also have Michael Pittman Jr. and Devontae Smith and Nico Collins sitting there. Now, when you're drafting for need, you're going to say, I need a running back, so I'm going to take Rashad White here. When really, he should be going in round five or six. Instead of taking Michael Pittman Jr. or somebody like that who might even be a slight value, but at least is correct as far as ADP goes. Now, I'm not saying be a slave to ADP because you have your own rankings. You have your own stuff. You don't have to stick with what Sleeper tells you or Night Seniors tells you. Like, Have your own stuff. I'm totally good with that. But don't go several picks, several rounds off your board just because I need a running back, so I'm going to take Rashad White here. No. What you can do later is take Michael Pittman Jr., and then – a month or two later, you look at a team and man, they have three or four running backs that they're they're in a really good spot at, at running back. Hey, now instead of settling in round four for Michael Pittman Jr., now you were able to package Michael Pittman Jr. and maybe a second, and now you got Kyron Williams. You know, like a big step up in value where you could have just settled. And now you find yourself in a worse spot overall. So that's what we mean when we say draft best player available and then trade for need down the road. Hey guys, let me tell you about our friends at sleeper. Guess what? Our app is the mini is live on sleeper right now. The dynasty GM, you use the analyzer, you can use the, uh, the, the trade calculator. And my favorite thing is the inbox, right? Where all your trades from all your sleeper leagues are right there. You can actually push trades through the actual sleeper app. And right now, we could be more excited to be partners with them. And right now, if you don't know, they are doing DFS. And I know how many people that play Dynasty play DFS as well. And right now, there's not a better place to play DFS than sleeper. They're offering up to 100 times their, your entry, the highest payout in the whole DFS market Right now, you can track your fantasy players and your sleeper picks in real time. All you got to do is choose two to eight of your favorite players from pregame, live in-game, or even across different sports. Pick more or less than the predicted stats, and only on sleeper, you can get up to 100 times your payout. You can share with your friends and get rewarded together. Make sure you use that promo code NERD so our friends know that friends sent them their way um, <laughs> and get your deposit match and have a good time. You'll have all your DFS all of your fantasy leagues, and now even a Dynasty GM in one spot is fully operational inside Sleeper right now. And then when you're a NerdHerd member, you get that full access to that. And remember, you also want to download the Dynasty Nerds app because they're both in there. Check it out. Check our friend Sleeper. Check out a DFS. Use that promo code NERDS. Get your whole estate set. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so let's, let's dig into the trade for need part a little bit more, Jared, here, because... 
this is this is something that I feel like the community almost has flipped at times where they'll draft for need and then they start to trade for value where everyone wants to win the trade. They want to be the one where when they look at the calculator later, they won by 3000 points or, you know, whatever the scale is on the, the trade calculator you're using. They want to be the one to win. Is that important to you, Jared, or not so much? Rephrase your question. So how important is it to you to win the trade? I'm always trying to win the trade. (laughs) See, see, you're Um, going against it. You're going against it. That's fine. I mean, it depends how you define win the trade. If I I, I try to squeeze as much out of a trade as I can, but at the end of the day, I want to get the trade done and I want to remain fair if, if, you know, if I can, but I mean, I've said it on the show a couple of times, like you, you, you are not afraid to get one. Squeeze, squeeze a little extra. I will. I will. And I I hate saying it because I'm in the league with so many people that like listen to this stuff now. Sure. Now we have an entire league based on talking dynasty. So they're hearing all this, which we need to fill an orphan for. Oh, later. We do. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I, I, let me, let me throw it back to you. Okay. And you're asking the question, but I want you to answer your own question so I can add to that. Okay. So for me, this is just me. And maybe, maybe I have a flawed view of it, view of this. Like I said in the beginning, even though we're, we're in the weeds and we do all this stuff, maybe, maybe I need to, to, to reframe my perspective on this. But for me, I'm doing everything in my rookie draft and in my startup draft to take the best possible player available. But when it comes to trade, yes, I want to get as much value as I can. I'm not looking to just throw value out the window. But at the same time, this is the time where – let perfect example. Jared, in the league that we're – I think it's the league we're talking about, the Talking Dynasty League. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Debbie component to the Talking Dynasty League. Yeah. Jared and I made a trade. Now, it didn't put me over the top to win a ship, so unfortunately it didn't work out as well as I hoped. But – I gave up a lot, a lot to get Jonathan Taylor from your team. I don't remember oh, yeah. what it was exactly. Three it was firsts. somewhere in the ballpark of three Devi firsts, which the way we do it, it's Devi and rookie picks together. So it will be the incoming freshman with whatever players weren't selected last year in Devi leagues. Plus so, the rookies. Plus the rookies. Yeah. So it doesn't have selected. quite the same value. <laughs> What's that? Plus the rookies that weren't being held by Devi slots. Correct. So correct. Continue. It's kind of confusing Sorry. if you don't play Devi. If you play Devi, it makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. All that being said, the, the first don't have quite as much value as they would in a normal league, but they're still very, very valuable assets. So I gave up three first, and I want to say Romo Dunes. It was, no, it was just three first. I got, okay, you, you got K. Dotton and Jonathan Taylor. Okay. So in a normal league, giving up three firsts for Jonathan Taylor probably doesn't make sense. In this league, it's a little closer, but it still was, I think in most people's eyes, probably a slight overpay to get Jonathan Taylor. Wouldn't you agree? Probably. It's just, it's tough in those Debbie leagues to uh, sometimes value that. Yeah. Yeah. It it Um, is. But, But even if it was a slight overpay, I'm okay with it. Because I liked the trajectory of where Jonathan Taylor was going. I thought he could be a piece to kind of help put me over the top. 
I didn't win it this year. I made the playoffs, obviously, but I didn't win it this year, unfortunately. So it didn't pan out 100% how I wanted. But I'm okay with that. Like, even still today, I'm okay with if I slightly overpaid because that was a position that I felt like I needed and it could bolster my team to help put me over the top. So for me, if I have to overpay a little bit on a trade to where on a calculator, I might be losing a little bit of value overall on my team, but I feel like it's that missing piece. You know, maybe it's a tight end. Maybe you're a team that doesn't have a tight end. And you know what? I'm going to slightly overpay for Mark Andrews, or I'm going to slightly overpay for Sam Laporta. Oh, okay. I need a second quarterback. I'm going to slightly overpay to get Justin Fields or whoever it is. That's that's kind of what I mean. Where if their value is just for easy numbers, their value is a thousand. I'm okay paying twelve hundred to get that player if I feel like that's what my team really needs. So while I'm gobbling up value in my rookie drafts, I'm gobbling up value in my startups, and you can see that in the most recent startup we did. I didn't have a tight end in our most recent startup that we did with Dynasty Nerds because the value wasn't there. I'll trade for one later, but yeah. I, I yeah, that's that's how I got a Dunze. I traded you Kittle in that league. That's what it was. You, it was you were sending me back a Dunze, and I was like, "This is where I squeezed a little more out of it." I was like, "Can you add a third? Add a you gave me a twenty twenty six third. Yeah, I love squeezing little thirds and fourths if I can, especially in a Devi league like that. Sure, but um, I, I I think that overall that overall concept that you were just explaining kind of goes back to just understanding understanding where you are in your league mm-hmm. is so important when approaching your market in your league like Garrett in this case was going going for it cuz he was in the position to contend my team sucked so i'm like all right let me offload Jonathan Taylor running back always willing to trade away a running back in a real rebuild position, load up exactly. on some first round picks that I can either trade or take those picks with. So understanding if you're in a rebuild or in a content or if you're a contender sets you up for your decision making going into those trades. And then like Garrett said, you may be willing to kind of take a little bit of a loss in order to position yourself with a veteran or someone that's likely going to make you or help you win. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I was in a spot at running back, even though I didn't really need another running back. I wanted somebody solid in my flex spot. So, you know, I already had Kamara Barkley and Swift and that receiver had Garrett Wilson, Jamar chase and DK Metcalf. So I wanted like one more guy there to be able to really solidify that starting lineup and just have a bunch of dogs out there. And I was able to make it happen. Now, unfortunately, like I said, didn't lead to a title. So ultimately, it's a disappointment. Uh, but but that's kind of the concept uh, around around doing that. So let's move on to actually, I put a tweet out on Twitter last night that um, we were going to be recording the show talking about trades and ask people to send in, you know, just general trade questions, not specific player questions, just more around like, how do you approach trading? And, uh, <laughs> man, I got to read this guy's name. Queefer <laughs> Sutherland, uh, Dynasty Queef, tweeted at me. And he said, how do you recalculate 
future picks to be less than current or, or do you recalculate future picks to be re- less than current example a 25 first might be equivalent to a 24 second uh, I don't agree with that uh, that equation there but I think I think this is a good question to set us up to talk about how to value rookie draft picks in trades obviously it's they're thrown around a lot and it's really important to understand how to value them and the life cycle of the valuations on rookie draft picks itself. So I think you you actually kind of hit on this earlier, but let's rephrase it or talk about it again. As the draft approaches for said rookie pick, so 2024 picks right now as we're getting closer to the rookie draft are gaining more value. Mm-hmm. And I think... A big reason in that is more and more people are starting to understand this draft class better, understand who the standouts are, what players, what positions are going to be available at those pick slots that you have. So those pick slots are gaining more and more value as we understand the draft. And then plus just the psychology of the excitement and the hype for the rookie draft itself. Rookie draft picks hit their peak value right at draft time when the draft is going on. But once that pick is selected and is now a player, that's locked in. You no longer have the option of selecting this player or this player. So the draft pick itself has more inherent value. That's correct. Before it's picked. What else would you add to that I, I do have something else I can add, but I'll throw it back to you because I've been talking too long. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. And, and I think his question's a good one because I think he has the right concept. I don't necessarily agree with the evaluation of of the value of those picks. So, a so on the basically what he's asking a a twenty. If you knew today that it was the the twenty four one hundred one versus the twenty five one hundred one. Remove completely the names from the class and, you know, what we already know about the class is just the pick think, value in general. I think it's easier to do 24 206 versus 106. Let's do it that because 101, well, you well, know. I'll just, get to that. I'll get to okay, that. Okay. Okay. But go ahead. The, the next year's should always be lower than this year's just because you're losing time. You're losing an entire year. You're losing opportunity that opportunity cost. Opportunity cost. We see the exact same thing in the NFL draft happen where, you know, if, if you're going to move down in the draft and you pick up an extra pick next year, you have to pay, even if you're giving, you know, to, to get the 108 this year, the Bears or whoever it would be would have to give their first this year and their first next year. Well, you say, well, their first next year could be even higher than this one. This year it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're losing the entire year and there's all those unknowns and what ifs, what could happen with the pick could move up, could move down. Nobody knows. So yes, a a pick in the future is worth less than the one for the current year. Now, that being said, to go back to your example, Jared, 106 versus 206. To me, that is way too big of a gap. I should not be expecting to get a mid first round pick next year. For my 206 this year. It's more like two and a half seconds 
for a first right. down like, pick, even three seconds, maybe. Right. So, you know, if if I'm giving up the 206, what I would expect is I'm getting your second next year and I'm getting two second. 11 yeah. or something like that. Um, or a few extra thirds or, or something like you have to decide what <laughs> play, players and picks and all that kind of stuff. You know, if it's, if it's one or let's say it's one ten that you have, I would expect to get their first next year plus two Oh three or something yeah. like that. Like it, it's not a drastic add on, but it definitely is more valuable to have the picks now than to have to wait an extra year. Because once again, we can project all we want, but we have no idea what's going to happen. Who's going to get hurt? Who's going to go back to school? What like what each class? You don't know until that class actually gets there. So project all you want, but I still need – you could say next year's class is the best class we've ever seen. Okay, you're still having to pay more for the 110 this year than trying to give me 110 for next year. Does that make sense? Yeah, and – I still don't think we've fully even answered this question because, like, okay, you guys have told me, you know, the the life cycle of the draft pick itself and where it's most valuable, where it's less value, but what is actually the value? And uh, Garrett just went into it a little bit with, like, draft pick to draft pick, but in terms of, like, valuing the draft picks versus players, you know, I, I don't personally use trade calculators to be a final destination on uh, if a trade is good or not, but they can be good building blocks and starters to kind of help you out and guide you when building out a trade. But another thing that I like to do and I think is super helpful is to go back and look at how a startup draft after the NFL draft has taken place with rookies included in it. uh, So like a June or July startup, Go back to last year and look at the startups and see where Zay Flowers was going. See where Quentin Johnston was being taken, Zach Charbonnet, A-Chan, all those guys. And compare it to rookie draft ADP so you can kind of figure out like, okay, this guy was like the 106. Okay, this guy was like the 108. And just kind of see where they're going in terms of a startup. And that will give you a good guide and a good measure as to how to look at this year's 106 or 107, um, compare like those guys' draft profile. Okay, Zay Flowers, first round receiver, mid first. Okay, you know, who was taken mid first as a receiver this year? Um, stuff like that. I think that can just be like a good guide um, and a help as to like how to value what players versus who. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And, and uh, along the same vein, I like to try to have before I make any trades, getting rid of or acquiring draft picks. I like to have at least the first two rounds of my board somewhat solidified. Like I know roughly, you know, if, if I had to, to pick the first two rounds just by myself, I know roughly at the one eleven I would have Keon Coleman. I know roughly at the 202, I'd have Marshawn Lloyd. I know roughly at, you know, where you have a pretty good idea of the first two rounds. And then you can go and say, okay, they're offering me A.J. Brown. Would I rather have A.J. Brown 
because it's tough when you say, would you rather have AJ Brown or the 104 and the 110? I don't right. know. But when you can say, would you rather have AJ Brown or would you rather have Malik Neighbors and Troy Franklin? Okay. Well, now we're talking. Now let me think about that. Yeah, you know, so film room. Let me let me see who this guy is or what what's Garrett and Jarrett's nerd scores say or you know exactly. whoever your favorite creators are that you guys follow. Like that's, yeah, because it, it it's it's so much more abstract when it's just the picks versus okay now if I can put names to the picks and like we said the picks have inherently more value because they can still be anything, but that gives you at least a close look of what should I expect if I trade for these picks and then actually make them. Yep. So I think the final piece to this is just, again, rebuild contender, you know, or does this guy have any draft picks in this draft? Is he just trying to get into this draft? Cause he, he, he wants a shot at some players. Uh, so team needs team demand. What, what are you trading for? Who's trading for what? Uh, just understanding the demand of your trade partner is another aspect that's going to drive the value of the trade and the pick. Absolutely. Uh, there was another guy, and I don't know who it is, and, and and you can look it up maybe as I'm talking, but there was another question that I read that was along these same lines that I think it might be good to address here, and it's trading for future picks. Like if it's a league where trades are, are tough to come by, specifically that year's draft picks, how do you feel about trading into picks in the future? And to me, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. So part of it is, and this is going to sound dumb, but how good is this league? Like, are these people committed? Is this your first year doing it? And these guys seem flaky or man, we're in year five and it's all my buddies. I know this league is solid because you don't want to be trading for 2026 picks. If you think the, the league might fold in a year, because uh, that's just going to make you suffer, rebuild and get nothing for it. So I do like to kind of base it on that, but assuming it's a good league, Look, I don't mind trading for 25 first, 26 first, because the nice part about those is one, it's 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 so far away that the value of those picks are so low by comparison yeah. compared to what they're going to be. Two, teams think they know where they're going to be in 25 and 26, when in reality, so much can change between then and now. So trading a contender, getting a contender's 25 first or 26 first could end up being the 102, the 103. Like, because yeah. most teams are not able to contend for four, five, six years. There are leagues, it happens, it does, but it's really tough to do. I like to get future picks thrown in if I can, like thirds. Mm -hmm fourths uh i'm always trying to accumulate thirds and fourths because they're just draft picks are the most liquid asset in dynasty fantasy football it is they don't lose value right they only gain value so and nobody dislikes yeah, I mean, them like they like a dislike a player right exactly there's no bias or anything mixed in to a draft pick so freeing myself of I don't know what the term is, but freeing myself of wide receivers that I don't think are ever going to amount to anything um, or running backs. 
I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with trying to offload them for future draft capital because the, that draft capital itself is undervalued because of the opportunity cost and it's so far out. If I can't get a current year's draft pick, I'll often pivot to, okay, what if it's a couple years out? And then mm-hmm. you keep, keep doing that, keep doing that, and next thing you know, you're looking at your 2026 picks, you're like, hey, look at all these picks, dude. Yeah. And then uh, you set yourself up pretty well for uh, contending and making moves when you need to, you're, 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 you're liquid, you know, you can make a move for a running back and, and put him in or a quarterback. Um, you're able to make moves and, and set yourself up to win. So let's, let's discuss the, the buying and selling buy low, sell high situation, because if you've listened to any fantasy podcast, including dynasty nerds, it is one of the most commonly used terms I am buying low on this guy or I'm selling high on this guy. And there'll be entire episodes dedicated to buy low candidates and sell high candidates. First of all, what does it mean? And second of all, how do we identify who are buy lows, who are sell highs? Because I'll be honest, I don't always see this the same way everyone else does. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. But what is it and and how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's multiple things that could label a player as a buy low. You know, are they, you know, an injured player could be a good buy low candidate because they're obviously not playing. So sometimes those type of players are good targets for teams that are maybe rebuilding because they can hold that player because they know they're not really going for it this year. And, um, lean on them to perform for them the next season. So injured players could be good buy low candidates. Players that are in bad situations but have talent that we have. We, we all think they have talent. Kyle Pitts, great example. Drake, Drake London, great yeah. example. I've, we've used them previously on the show. But guys like that in bad situations. So situation can dictate buy lows or even, even sell highs. So situation changes then. Uh, T. Higgins, good example of predicted situation change. So upcoming free agents, so monitoring contract situations, guys that could be changing teams. So T. Higgins leaves the Bengals, he could be a number one for a team that he goes to, likely to be a number one for a team that he goes to. Recency bias, uh, guys that have had a couple weeks of bad performance or three weeks of bad performance or flip side of that guys that have come into opportunity that they shouldn't really deserve or shouldn't really get. Those guys could be good. Sell highs. Perfect. Perfect Um, example. We have the Super Bowl tomorrow or in two days. mm -hmm. If some random player goes off and scores a big touchdown, we will see an ADP spike for that player. Sky more. Guaranteed. Tony last year. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Sky. Sky Moore anyway, could have it. <laughs> I hate to bring Sky Moore up. I just sold a Sky Moore football card on eBay today and shipped it out today. So it breaks my, my heart. Mind. And I, I was I, like I, thinking, I was like, why did that sell? I mean, I had it, I had it priced pretty low, but I was like, oh, Super Bowl. He was just like, come off. I, he just was uh, activated off IR, and maybe that guy thinks he's gonna make a big know, catch, gain or some value. Yeah, so that he was buying low. There we go. There you go. Anything that I left out in your mind that 
I didn't really hit on right there. I mean, performance too. I mean, if they're underperforming, obviously, obviously they're they're a buy low. One thing that, and if you go back and you listen to most of the dynasty nerds buy low, sell high episodes, you'll notice that mine tend to be a little bit different. And I haven't really brought this up or talked about it much before, but if everyone in fantasy Twitter or fantasy TikTok or fantasy whatever, any platform, and everyone's talking about this guy as a sell low or a sell high, he's probably not. Because that means everyone is starting to value this player in this way. And it's too obvious. If it's that obvious where everybody's talking about them as a sell high, they're probably not a sell high anymore. Conversely, if everyone's talking about this guy, buy this guy low now, buy him low now, buy him low now. Well, if everybody's saying it and everyone starts buying him, what happens? The price goes up. He gets more expensive. So in a lot of my buys and sells, and look, they don't always work out, but you'll see guys that don't always tra- fit the traditional mode. Typically, we see sell highs on running backs that are 26, 27, on receivers that are 29, 30, on you know, guys like that that are looking at potentially hitting that age cliff. That's kind of the easiest layup of a sell high. And look, if you can age do that in your league. It's important to talk about for sure. We should go into that a little bit. Yeah, if, if in your league – you can sell a guy at 30 and somebody's still valuing him as a 27-year-old star, well, yes, go ahead and do it. But most people are cognizant enough to say, I'm not going to pay the same price as when he was 27 now that he's 30. I need a discount on that because I don't know how many years I have left. So in my mind there, that guy is no longer a good sell-high candidate because I'm having to sell him at a discount due to his age. So if you look at a lot of my sell highs, typically they are guys that are in, you know, 23, 24, 25 at running back. They're guys that are 26, 27, 28 at wide receiver. They're guys that have not hit that age cliff because nobody wants to sell those guys. So if you are the one that is willing to sell some of those players, if you see that there's a perceived drop off in, in value coming because of whatever, coaching, talent, whatever. Those are guys that are great to sell because people aren't getting it regurgitated over and over. Yes, sell this player, sell this player, sell this player. I'm selling a guy right now in his prime, and now everybody wants him because he's a guy that people see, A, can help me win now, but B, I can have on my team for the next three, four years, and he's still going to be a productive asset. So I think we need to, look, like I said, if you can get – you can do the obvious ones. Cool. Like, good for you. That's awesome. But there's going to be a lot of leagues, if, especially if your league's been around for a while. They've probably gotten a little bit smarter over the years and realized, hmm, maybe I shouldn't pay three firsts for Cooper Cup this offseason because <laughs> he's coming in hurt and blah, 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 blah. You know, even though he just came off a historic year, he's probably not going to repeat it. You know, guys like that. Guys are people start to wake up to some of those things over the years. So if you can be a little more coy, if you can be a little less obvious in your sells and in your buys, those are the guys that you're really going to get good value for because it's not the same BS that everyone's regurgitating over and over. I would say this is something I do. I mean, 
during the season, buy windows and sell windows, open and close quickly. Oh, yes. And I like to consume redraft content during the season because it's super important for especially the especially the guys that go deeper into like statistics and yeah. uh, expected output coming up because of volume and things. Yeah. Those are things we don't tap Even into DFS as much. Even DFS stuff. I love to look yeah. at DFS stuff. I, JJ Zacharias and his podcast. It's awesome. It's quick. It's 15, 20 minutes. I I always listen to his. It's I think everybody has heard of it. It's one of the best podcasts yeah, out there. Late round quarterback. Uh, yeah, he does a great job of using like data it, it, metrics to explain his reasoning. And if you listen to him and you listen to what he's using to determine his decisions, you can use that to then go on to these websites and do it yourself and yeah. identify some some players that are could be breaking out soon or guys that you might want to sell off now. Uh, you want to talk about age cliffs just quickly? I, I don't think we need to spend too long on it because yeah. we could probably do a whole show on it. But um, and maybe we and, should at some point. Um, and and talk- we should. I think we should. And 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 like actually give some data. Right. I'm not going to go into like percentages and stuff here, but uh, just an overview of age cliffs in my eyes. And Garrett, you could even tell me if you disagree with this or not. I'm reading off my notes here, but. Quarterbacks, I mean, we've we've seen quarterbacks kind of play later and later mm-hmm. uh, as the years have gone on. So I would say 33 is the age cliff. Maybe it just depends who the player is. I mean, sure. like Matthew Stafford, I'm willing to still buy him right now because he's right. cheap and I think he's going to continue to play. So quarterback kind of hinges on who the player is. But I would say 33 around there. Uh, running backs, 28. Is is about the the time where they they hit hit that age cliff, and when we say age cliff, that means they hit on their like value chart of the value of that player. If you look at their chart in terms of like ADP or uh, market production. consensus on that value, yeah, and production is obviously baked into that or expected production. They're not gaining any more value. They're hitting a cliff and they're they're going down. So. Even if they continue to produce, they're not gaining any value. They're going down because they're old. Running back's about 28. And for me, I actually like to stay ahead of the age cliffs, so I'm getting as much value as I can. So I'll look to trade when they're around like age 27. Uh, Wide receivers, it's around age 29. Um, And then tight ends is about age 30. Yeah, and and, and with that, this is all – we're not saying necessarily – you need to sell those players then, or you need to buy those players then. This is just kind of, as we've observed, as we've played, this is the perceived drop-off in value and production is roughly at these ages. Now, like Jared said, we'll probably do an episode on this and we'll, we'll get very analytical in that one and see how much truth there is and how much fallacy there is in some of these age cliffs and how to capitalize on whether it would be all players, certain players, certain positions, right. whatever. We'll so dig into that pedigree. More, yeah. What's that? Like certain certain players, you know, maybe let's X. If a player has hit six t- running back one seasons, what's the likelihood that they're going to continue to produce into their later years? Stuff like that. We'll, sure. we'll get way more into the nitty gritty. Um, Absolutely. And actually know the perfect person to have on for that. Ooh, there we go. 
a little, little teaser. Well, I, I don't know what he's <laughs> talking about. So, uh, <laughs> so Garrett, let's talk a little bit about negotiation tactics. Ooh. So playing hardball. Let's talk about like the initial offer. How, how do you approach sending out your initial offer to people? Are you right out the gates? You're sending the best offer or are you someone that is uh, keeping it to your chest and you're willing to give more, but you're going to start here and then have a backup plan. This is a really interesting topic and I don't think you're going to get a consensus on this. I think there are good managers that do this part differently and I know like you and Rich specifically working with you guys, typically you guys are going to try to throw as low as you can without being offensive and I've, work your way from there, I, right? My goal is to get the conversation started. So I'm willing to just send out any trade, you know, that's centered around what I'm trying to get done that is going to get the ball rolling or get us talking because I feel like if I can get us talking, then I can at least come to some sort of deal. But there are so many times where I try to trade with somebody and there's just nothing because maybe, maybe, I mean, personally, this is how I am sometimes in my own personal stuff. Like I'm not going to get back to you because like, I just got something going on right now right. in my in my life. I just don't have time to sit down and evaluate this trade. So if I can get the conversation going, I know that, okay, maybe this guy is open to getting a deal done. Uh, that's, that's just what I want to know. So yeah, I don't send my best offer out, out of the gates. I wouldn't say I send my best offer, mm -hmm. but I usually try to send an offer where if, if, if the tables were turned and I had received that offer, it would at least be something I would, it would make me go, Hmm, maybe I yeah. won't take this, but, but we're not far off. Like I, I tend to not low ball. I can't say I've never done it. There have been like a few circumstances where the certain player, the situation around that player kind of allowed for that kind of thing. Yeah. But for the, but for the most part, I try to send a pretty darn good offer at first. Cause I've been on the opposite side where I'll get an offer and I'm like, dude, after this offer that you just sent me, I don't even know that I want to talk to you about this player. We're so far apart that I have no idea how we're even going to come to a consensus on this. Sometimes the offer tell can be that. so bad where I'm like, dude, I we're not even on the same hemisphere right now. Yeah. And as somebody that sends a trade, I want to know that. Like, yeah. I want to know if I'm wasting my time. So yeah. respond to trades, guys. Um, and are you someone that will send a trade and provide like reasoning and justification or, I mean, personally for me, I like to at least let them know what my like intent is like, Hey, you know, I noticed, I noticed you need some wide receiver help. I need some running back help. I think this trade helps both sides. Um, you know, <laughs> sometimes, man, I really don't want to give this guy up, but you know, yeah, sure. I guess you can have them. You massage stuff, it a little like, bit. Massage I, it. I try to avoid I try to avoid telling them what they need because me too, because sometimes that can come across a little offensive. Like no, I don't need a receiver. Screw you. Like, you know, well, even though they probably do in terms of, in terms of like their roster analysis, I, right. I, I will give them that, but I meant, I don't usually will tell them like why, 
yeah. they should take this player because I'm like, well, why are you giving him up then? You know, like, right. Don't, right. don't try to sell me on the guy you're, you're trading me. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. need that. Yeah. No, I, I, I will give some explanation at times. Typically where I'm the most likely to give a lot of feedback is on a trade that I think is, that was just offered to me that I think is at least worth discussing. Like I said, sometimes they're so bad where I'll either tell them like, bro, we're not even, we're not even kind of close or I'll just straight out reject it and like move on because I don't even feel like talking to them because it's such a bad deal. But if someone offers me something, I'm like, okay, I see where they're coming from. Like there might be something here. That's where I'll start to communicate a little more and, and be a little more open to some feedback and some thoughts on it on the initial offer. I will at times, but I try to, I try my best and and it doesn't always come across this way. I know that, but I try my best to not sound like a used car salesman. I really want to just be like, Hey, you have this player that I like. I'm interested in them. Is there a deal to be done here? That's more, that's more my route. Now, maybe, Maybe that hurts me at times. Maybe I could do a little bit better of a job massaging it. But I've but I've been on the opposite where I'm like, bro, why are you why are you trying to sell me this polished turd? Like, this is you're <laughs> you're making this dude sound like the next, you know, Pat Mahomes. I don't even know if he's gonna play next year, you know, that kind of thing. So I yeah. I tend to be a little bit more straightforward, but it's it's different person to person too. Like there are yeah. certain people where like if I'm trading with you or I'm trading with rich or like that conversation looks very different than it does with a guy that I like sort of know, or, you know, like yeah. those conversations look very different too. And sometimes, you know, I never come out of the gates with like the player I'm actually targeting either. I, I try to be a little, I don't like know, coy. stealthy with, especially just being who we are personally. Like everyone that I play with typically knows like, Oh, Jared does like, you yeah. know, if it's my home league, uh, Jared's got that podcast or, you know, right. like, they don't right. really, so they're like, what's he up to? You know? So I always 100%. have to like kind of keep that affects me or when I'm trading personally, maybe not, obviously not everybody. So I have to kind of be coy or like a little stealthy with sure. things I'm trying to do. But I, I would say, you know, when you are making your, your uh, initial offer and you're trying to find a trade partner, the dynasty GM at dynasty nerds that we have is the best tool for that. In my opinion, because we give you who's strong and who's weak at what position in a graph view. So it's really easy to see on our app and okay, the red is running backs. Like you can like filter it by that. Okay. Who needs running backs? Super easy to see who needs running backs and like beautiful these bottom three guys. Okay. Those are my trade targets. Now who do they have that I want that can make this work because I'm trying to offload this guy um, or that I'm trying to sell high on those that that's kind of how you can approach who your trade partner is going to be counter offers. I, I, I like to send a counter offer on most offers I receive, unless it's just way out of this world. And I'll tell them that like, Hey dude, we're way off. Like you just said, but I'll send a counter offer if it's close and just let them know kind of where I stand without yeah. even really talking. You know, I'll just, I'll shoot them back a counter offer. Mm-hmm. That's okay. This is a little more in line with what I'm feeling. And then they'll, you know, we'll go back and forth until, we can arrive at something. One of the biggest things that I, th- I feel like I heard through the questions, but I also have just heard often in general is, man, I want to make more trades. I want to be more active in my league, 
but nobody wants to trade with me. Either A, because I'm plugged in and most of the trades have worked out well for me, or B, just my league isn't very active and guys just don't do much when I offer them deals. So what do we do in those situations? And I have I have a few different ideas. Jared, I don't know what you like to do in some of those leagues that are just a little more dead. And look, do we want those leagues? Not necessarily, but we don't always have the luxury of, oh yeah, I have thousands of people to choose from to play in leagues with. Typically yeah. it's, hey, I got eight to 12 guys. We have fun together. We hang out. And there's really only three of us that really respond. And like that, that's how most leagues are. We hit on this on the main show a little bit this week. I guess something I like to do is, I mean, obvi- it's, just, it's stupid and obvious. It's just like communication. And a text message can be a little better, more Absolutely. personal, if you have that guy's number or a Twitter DM if you're with some guys uh, that you don't necessarily know in, in your personal life. Kind of letting them feel like they are making the offer mm-hmm. in a way. Hey, man, uh, I'm, I'm a little weak at wide receiver give me three wide receivers on your roster that you'd be willing to trade. Yeah. Um, something like that. And then they give you some names like, okay, that's a good starting point. Well, Hey, in, I am interested in these two guys. So I, I'll, I'll give you this. Like, what are your thoughts on what you'd want back? Open-ended questions like that to kind of help guide it to see what they will want. And, you know, sometimes guys won't respond back because they're hip to that kind of technique, but <laughs> that's something I like to do at least. What about you, Garrett? Yeah, there's a few things, but but kind of going along the same lines of communication is as either a commissioner or somebody that is in your league that if you're listening to this, obviously you're invested. You're not spending your time to listen to this kind of show if you're not really invested in your league. So as either a commissioner or somebody that's that's strongly invested in your league, one of the things that you need to figure out is what are little things that I can do that make this a much more year round thing? So whether it's, hey, for this coming season, we're adding a new rule. And me as the commissioner, I'll put forth the money for it. Nobody has to contribute. But whoever has the most trades completed this season gets a $25 bonus on their payout. Or, hey, we're I'm going to be doing weekly breakdowns of the teams in season and the matchups to help encourage yeah. trading. Um, one of the things, and this is going to sound a little self-serving, but it's but it's been absolutely true. In the off-season, I, or even in-season, I do podcasts, individual podcasts for people. You know, they'll, they'll have me do half hour, 45 minutes on their league, and I break down the teams, say which teams are good, which teams suck, blah, 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 blah. What happens every time, I've heard it from almost every commissioner, they put that in their league, and what happens? The team that I trashed, or the team that I said was weak at a position, all of a sudden they're making deals because they heard from an outside perspective that they need to make some moves in their league. And yeah. all of a sudden, instant instant juice in trading. So there are some things like that. One of my favorites, though, and Jared, you've you've seen me do this a couple times. Uh, I, th- I think I know what you're going to say, and I have taken it from you and done it. Have you used in- it as well? Oh, yeah. Has it been yeah. pretty successful? Yeah, it, I feel like it only works like once or twice though. Yeah, you can only do it so many like, times. Yeah, people are like, okay, I'm not not falling for your games. Yeah. yeah, people get hip to it. But one of my favorite things to do is if there's, you know, I, I really need to get movement and man, things are just stagnant. I'll say, okay, I am selling player, whatever player. I'm selling Keenan Allen at the end of the day, no matter what. 
So yeah. whoever gives me the best offer, I'm selling Keenan Allen to that person. If the best offer I get is two thirds, then Keenan Allen's going for two thirds. And then what you do is each time you get an offer, make a leaderboard. And you don't have to say even what the offer was. No, you, you just have to say, say what the offer is. Yeah, I prefer not to actually, but you shouldn't. Hey, so and so, he's the first one in and he, he gives you two thirds. All right. Hey, Jared's on the board. He's in the top spot. The first offer, he's in first place. Somebody else then makes an offer because they saw Jared made an offer and they know like, oh, I could probably beat Jared. So we'll see. Make an offer, but they're they're lowballing even more. So they're only giving me a third and a fourth. All right. I just got a I just got a offer from Billy. Billy, unfortunately, you're in second place right now. Jared's still in first with the best offer. And trust me, guys, it's not that great. You could probably beat it. Uh, you know, and and just little things like that. And then all of a sudden, man, contender comes out of the woodwork and like, I probably could use another receiver. All right. I'll give you my first for Keenan Allen in your second. Oh, I got a big time offer now. Hey, Jim Bob Cooter, he's he's in first place now, and Jared's in second. You know, and then the board, you just update the board and move it as people give offers. It's really fun. It's silly. You're right, though. It only works a few times, and it after can a while, backfire too. It it, it, it can, it yeah, can. Because if I you don't get the offer you want, and you say you're gonna trade this guy no matter what at this time. You got to trade him. And you don't do it. You're you've lost yeah, all your credibility. Scum. Yeah. What I so I've done this probably 10 times overall. I've done it once. Okay. One of the times where I did this, it was that exact scenario. I got one offer <laughs> and it was terrible. And I was like, shoot. What am I going <laughs> to do? So what I did was I reached out to somebody else in my league that I knew pretty well. And I was like, dude, this stays between me and you. I've gotten one offer and this is it. It sucks. You can definitely beat this. You know, Keenan Allen or whoever it was is worth more than this. Give me some, even something moderately better. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. I can beat that offer. That's easy. Okay. So, I thought you were about you, to you get can, into some, uh, consp- I don't, what's, what's the damn word for it when you're, uh, cheating cl- in your league? Collusion? Collusion. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I couldn't think of it. I mean, is it, I thought you were about to get into some rules? collusion there. That's not collusion in my opinion, no. But I thought you were gonna say, um, I thought you were gonna get into some like, uh, trade me, trade me this right now, and we'll we'll trade back later. Like, oh no, 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 none of that kind of stuff. Okay, no, none of that shady stuff. But just something where you can, you know, you you might not be telling everybody what the offer is, or maybe at that point you do. You're like, guys, the only offer I have is two thirds. Seriously, nobody can beat this offer. At that <laughs> yeah. point, dude, I'll be transparent with what the offers are on the table quite often in, in my trades. Uh, yeah. When it's when I have an offer that I'm cool with, like I, I'm I'm totally cool with sharing a screenshot of the trade that I have on the table right now just to c- go to show like, hey, man, I'm not messing with you. Like, this is what I got. What do you right. I mean? Do you want to beat right. this or not? Yep. Because Absolutely that's so. usually the best way for me to get the most out of a trade is just being transparent with what I have. Yep. Um, offered to me. And I have no problem doing that. Some people do. Uh, like, hey, sharing my trades? The hell, man. You sent well, it to me, bro. I can do whatever I want. All right. Jared, I think we've I think we've done a lot. There's so much more we could do. We talked about earlier. We could have probably made this two episodes because there, there are definitely other things that we can get into. But I feel like we've covered a good majority of the things that involve trading Anything else that you want to touch on as we wrap up? 
No, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else that, I mean, I feel like if we keep going, we're just going to like, there's just so much to still get to, I feel like. And a lot of this stuff, I'd rather get into the nitty gritty on. And maybe we should have broken this show out into two episodes, like you were telling me we should. And I was <laughs> like, no, let's just keep going. No, I think we definitely did a good job of, of hitting on a lot of the key concepts and things you should understand. Um, maybe in future episodes, we can try to take each one of these key concepts, like, you know, for the buy low, sell high, you know, maybe we can get into like, what are the metrics you should be looking at and mm -hmm. just try to get a little more detailed um, than this episode did. I think, I think so. metrics, I think metrics in general, uh, like what metrics actually matter? What are those like key performance indicators, those KPIs, you know, what are, what are <laughs> those numbers that we should really yeah. be looking Because most, the average fan does not have time to dig into tons and tons of numbers and data and try to decipher on their own what the, what that means. So maybe, maybe this is something like, Hey, here's three or four things that you should look into. Like these things tend to have historical significance on player values and, and performance. Yeah. That'd be a good episode. Um, definitely want to have an expert on in that regard. For sure. We are not those guys, but, but feel free to let us know. Like, we want like that's the purpose of this we yeah. want to talk dynasty we don't want to just talk about players we want to talk about this game we love and how can we take this from a game of checkers to chess to 4d chess to like how do we how do we level up and how do we understand this so we can constantly have the edge doesn't mean we're going to win every year but how do we give ourselves the best opportunity to win every year. And, and that's what we want. So if there's specific things that you're like, man, I would love to hear an episode on this, or here's a guy that you really need to talk to. Let us know that kind of stuff would be super helpful. We would love to do that. All feedback is welcome. Just like reviews are, are welcome and yeah. uh, appreciated. So Especially, yeah, like, now we're on the nerds feed. So let yeah, Rich if you guys know, like the it. talking dynasty show. Yes. Make sure to leave a five-star review uh, on the Dynasty Nerds feed and just, you know, maybe mention, oh, I love that talking Dynasty show. That, yeah. that shows, I love it. You know, Jared and Garrett are great. Jared just, and Garrett, screw Rich and Matt. You know, <laughs> we want, we want Garrett and Garrett and Jared. Uh, no, the, obviously I, I'm, I'm part of both shows. So, you know, I, I, I have a foot in both. Hey, both I am too, you know, when I can. That's true. Uh, true. Uh, um, but, but no, we, we would I appreciate I want to have Rich that. on this show. Uh, oh, we will 100%. Yeah, we got to gotta dig into that brain. And any episode we don't feel like talking much, we'll just have Rich on, and it'll be great. <laughs> Anything else, Garrett? No, no. I feel Let's bad now. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm bashing Rich and Matt too much. I do love those guys. You know Rich listens to this show, so he's... He's going to pull me into his office, isn't he? He's going to pull you into his office and make you lick his toes. Probably. He's going to bust out the crystal balls. All right, let's end this. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we'll be back, like we said, roughly every other week is kind of the rhythm uh, that we're looking at here. And uh, we'll definitely be back. We'll be talking more things, Dynasty, breaking down more things. This will likely also be the show that we do a lot of coverage of the nerd score. So yeah. we'll have to figure out exactly how that works because this is on the free feed and not the paid feed. So obviously we can only give so much because we want uh, our paid customers to, to be able to get all of that information. We're not giving it away, but 
that being said, this is a good opportunity to plug. Look, if, if you want that kind of stuff, you want the nerd scores, you want the film room, you want all that, join the nerd herd, man. Join the nerd herd. Best money you're going to spend. Still so much cheaper than so many other tools out there. We keep it that way on purpose because we never want this something to be something where we're pricing people out. I mean, five bucks a month. You, you, you can't beat that. Five, it's six seven, bucks. Garrett. We, we Is it seven? It. Yeah, but there's ways to there's ways to get a better deal. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say we run specials and stuff all the there's time. There's specials Whatever that are advertised on this show they're listening to right now. Yeah, so. yeah. There's discounts out there, so look for those. Join us next time here on Talking Dynasty. <laughs>